Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody, again. It's good to see you. Today we're going to talk about, I'm Jim Del Campo, by the way, if you're watching at home or here. Um, I get to be the senior pastor here. Almost 30 years I've been that guy now, and hopefully i got a few years left in me. Amen? That wasn't a very vibrant amen. Wow, man, right? Wow, man. Oh, maybe I, okay, no, I won't say that. Uh, today we're going to continue in our series. Uh, today I'm going to talk about where do I stand with you. And uh, by the way, if, you, if you've been in this, if you're just joining us, I would highly suggest, because now we're starting the second five messages in the series, the 10-week series. I could go about 13, but I only wanted to go 10. Um, and, uh, but um, I'm now going to go back through all the foundational stuff like I do every beginning of the message in this series. So just go back on the NBCC Norco YouTube channel if you've just joined us and watch the first five messages so it really, really makes sense. Okay, sound good? Now, when I, you know, you know I, I like when the Holy Spirit pops thoughts in my mind at the last second to put in messages, and uh, I really enjoy that, but I wish the thought that he popped in my mind yesterday, he would have popped in it three weeks ago when I actually typed this message out, because I'm always three weeks ahead typing out, I'm always months ahead in the organization of the messages um, for Sunday mornings, but I would have uh, called it, and some of you are going to know this when I say it, I, I would have called it, There Is No Spoon. How many have ever heard that term before? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. There is no spoon. Back there? Where else? Right there? Right there? Oh, him for sure. There's no doubt Aaron heard that. Now, what is that from? It's from the Matrix. That's right. And what it is about is that, that word right there is when Neo, and those of you, the rest of you don't remember that, you need to go watch the Matrix today, okay? Um, but um, he goes in to see the Oracle, and there's a little boy there, and he's got this spoon. And the boy's able to bend the spoon with his head. He just moves his head, the spoon bends. And Neo's dialoguing with him before he goes in to see the oracle to see if he is the one, um, the deliverer. And the little boy tells Neo about the greater truth, the greater reality. And Neo says, what's that? He says, there is no spoon. In other words, this is all an illusion, Neo. This isn't real. You're plugged into the matrix, and they're just feeding information in your mind. But it's not real. It's just in your head. It is not real. And so, and so in this message, um, which I could have done this message in three parts, but I'm just going to ram it quick together because I thought, well, I got to give it all to you in this one. You're going to see that it's all in our heads. And it's part of the fall of mankind with a lot of layers of things we've come out of, grown up in, in our life. But there is no spoon. It's all in our mind. Say it with me. There is no spoon. One more time louder. There is no spoon. At home, there is no spoon. No, not you guys. They'll do it. I appreciate the support and stuff like that. Um, one of the reasons why this message is so going to be particularly good for me, I like it, and fun, it's because I, I've been ministering for, uh, gosh, over 40 years. been saved 42. And... Um, in a senior pastoral, you watch a lot of Christian marriages break up and it breaks your heart. You watch relationships break up. You watch people and families break up. You watch all kinds of stuff like that. And you know, there are common problems in all these. Like I said at the beginning, it's all common. And I've counseled every one of the things we're going to talk about today. I've seen them in my own life. So these are very common things. And you may think at certain ones, that's not true. It's absolutely true. You just don't talk to people, or you maybe you're not even honest with yourself. And I'm just being honest. Look, I'm 65. I'm going to tell you straight. Any amens on that? Amen. Look, I don't have time to give you candy, okay? If you want candy, no, forget it. Don't think about that. So I'm going I'm to move quick to get to these points. But first, I want to go, and I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. That's our foundation, and I want to keep hitting the foundation. We're going to bring out another nuance out of this chapter that uh, hopefully, you know, you've seen or not seen before, but you'll see when I get there. Genesis 3, 1 through 10, we look at, where do I stand with you? Say it, there is no spoon. There is no spoon. Once in a while, I'm going to ask you to say that in this message. Here we go, Genesis 3, 1 through 10. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. 
So Satan is manipulating this snake, the serpent. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Don't miss the point. He just said, Indeed, has God said. In other words, is this Bible really true? Is God's word really true? Come on, is it really? And the answer is, yes. Jesus affirmed it as truth. He said, your word is truth, as Jesus spoke. We know of all books on this entire planet from antiquity that this is the most valid from its original manuscripts of all the things we have. It's the most valid of all. We know that for a fact. That's a fact, guys. We know these things. This word is true. But they're always going to attack this word of God. Think about how many people have told you, well, isn't it just written by men? The answer is yes and no. Yes, God used men to write it, but they were inspired by God, right? Never forget that part right there. There was an inspiration of the Spirit of God injecting Himself into humanity in the time continuum here, space, time, matter, and God spoke to these men, and these men wrote down these words, not dictated, but they are written in their situation in life, is what they were. Now, verse 2. I gave you a little bit more than I should have. I won't have time for that. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, here's her answer, you should never talk to the devil, right? But a lot of people do, oh, the devil's after me. Stop. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. I like to tell you every time I read that, did God ever say you can't touch it? Never said that said you can't eat it. But now she's adding to God's word. Be careful that you don't add to God's word. You know how you and I add to God's word? We try to interpret this according to our culture, the way we view life. You cannot do that. You've got to interpret it according to the way the original hearers and the way it's, it's, it was certain in its original context is. You cannot add your interpretation to it. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. Wow, hear what he just said? He's pushing forth what our culture is saying. You can do whatever you want. There are no consequences. You can do this, you can do this. Do whatever you want. There's no consequences to what you're going to do there. Eve. Just eat away. And don't they teach that now? There's no consequences. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. And they just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing these things. Teach your children that there are consequences to bad behavior. Any amens? You will keep them out of trouble. Uh, verse uh, 5 for God knows in the day you eat from it your eyes will be opened oh boy would they huh you'll be enlightened Eve now we live in the day of enlightenment right we don't need God anymore that's what they're telling us now that we know No, they're wrong out there your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil you'll be the shot caller Eve you'll decide what's right and wrong and there are no consequences and you will be enlightened what a great deal Eve that's the thinking in the humanistic culture we live in. Verse 6. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, oh, now she's gazing on it. Never sit there and study whatever you're tempted by or get near it and focus on it because you're going to do it. When she saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes. Man, it looks good. And the tree was desirable to make one wise. It'll make me smart. It's going to enlighten me. She took from its fruit and ate. She gave it also to her husband with her, and he ate. She takes it, he goes, Here, Adam, okay, okay. And he bites. And he's standing right there. Now, this is where the fall comes, is where shame enters the world as a result of sin. Sin says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. Good. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew. Now they know something they should not know. And they knew they were naked. Before this, they were innocent, they were unashamed, now they are ashamed, I'm bad and I'm wrong. Something's wrong with me. What do they do? They sew fig leaves together. The cover-up, the distance, the hiding out, the lack of trust in relationships there, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. So now they're covering up. Hmm. Verse 8, now here comes God. See how it affects the relationship with God. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's a normal thing for them every day. And the man and his wife hid themselves, just like they're hiding from each other. Now they're going to hide from God, because that's what shame does. I'm not going to let you know the real me. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Like, God didn't know where he was. And Adam's hiding. Maybe God don't see me. Yeah, whatever, guy. He said, I, here's what he says to God. I heard the sound of you in the garden, like I did yesterday, the day before, and the day before. But today's different, God. And I was, say it, louder. And I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now fear enters into the whole equation of shame in the relationship. And we're going to take this idea with fear and shame, and we're going to see where it takes us into this, into dysfunctional relationship patterns. There is no spoon. You guys are a little late. There is no spoon. We're going to see how it's just in our head. So what I had to come to the realization. This is what I tell people all the time. It's just in your head. It's nowhere else. It's not real. There is no spoon. So here we go. I'm, going to, I'm just here to help. I'm, just, I'm going to have a lot of fun today. Maybe you won't, but I will, okay? But I'm going to try to take you in some of the crazy... I'm going to give you one point. Just one. And then I'm going to give you six bullet statements, six issues that flow from that. As I've watched this, I've counseled this, I've seen it in my own life. Here we go. Number one and the only point, control. The first thing now we see is control. Everything flows from that in what we're going to talk about today. Let me go back and read verses 8, 9, and 10 again. Watch this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was, say it, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now think, I got some some thoughts here. Question. Now in this situation, is Adam going out in the garden to meet God or is Adam now saying I'm hiding in the trees you God have to come into where I'm at on my turf according to my rules the way I want it because I'm afraid and I'm insecure which is it he's telling God what to do huh he's telling God you come into my world my way how I want it that's called control now every one of us has to have a measure of control in our life or else we would just flip out. But I'm talking about over-control. The type of over-control that can kill relationships. Now, he is controlling because he's afraid. And fear has entered into the relationship because shame has entered into the world and now there's an insecurity which results in fear, which results in control. Are you following me so far? There is no spoon. Okay, good. So here we go. I'm going to give you six things. I'm going to apply every one of them. Just stay with me, okay? I'm going to ask some questions along the way. I need some answers, okay? I'm going to ask you to be brutally honest with me as we go along. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at times just to be honest so everybody knows in this room they're not the only one. Are we okay with that? Good. The first issue we find is a loss of identity. And that's the first one you find. Now, let me try to put this, and I'm not trying to break up any marriages here today. I'm trying to heal them, okay? Here we go. The fig leaves that they put up and the tree leaves they're in, that is now creating an identity or an image that that person that I'm in a relationship with or the people I know, that they will accept. Any amens? See, I'm putting forth an image they will accept. But in the process, who am I losing? myself I'm losing my identity okay listen listen in your marriage most of you one of you is a very strong personality am I right am I right I'm that person I'm a real strong personality I don't know if you could tell well maybe you can tell maybe you guys just hurt my feelings whenever you want to I don't know my wife's the quiet, shy side, you know, on that side. But here's what I've observed in life, and I saw it in my own life. You strong personality types, when you are on something, you can get a little bit hot under the collar in your relationship, and you could say, this is the way it is, and you move hard and fast on it, and you, on the shy side, are not the strong personality type, 
You have a tendency to just shut down, be quiet, and go with the flow. Any amens? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Now, I'm going to build on this in the second bullet point too. Okay. The problem with just shutting down is that you lose who you are. And you never share what might be vital to the relationship. Am I right? And you who are the strong personality types, you know what you're doing, don't you? You exactly know how you're operating. You know you can shut them down by doing that, and they're just going to go with the flow. Are you listening at home? Elbow the guy next to you out there. You know what you're doing. You're controlling. And that's what you're doing. But Jim, I'm always right. No, you're not. No, you're not. You have a spouse. You are one, and you need to listen to what they have to say. They might save your life. Am I right? Now, let's keep that thought in mind, and let's go. Let's build on that in the second bullet point, and that's this. Fear of conflict. Hmm. Now, we're going to have a little fun with this, but first, can I share you a story about from my life and my fear of conflict? Is that okay? Or my ex... Yeah, yes, yes, okay. Just calm down over there, okay? Did Ohio State win yesterday? Is that why you're excited? Okay, good. Okay, so I grew up in a world of conflict, as I told you the stories in this series. My parents uh, were season ticket holders for the, I like the California Angels, not the LA Angels, California Angels for 37 years. So when I was 21, they got season tickets. If you have ever gone to the stadium, right where they kneel, where the angel players kneel on the on-deck circle before the renovation, there was an aisle right there. We were on that aisle, row X, seat one and two. That aisle doesn't exist anymore after the renovation. Right there. So at 21, I'd go right there, man. It was great. You know, and I like to tell everybody, I was Mexican privilege. <laughs> I say that just to stick it to this culture, man. You're so crazy. You work hard. You do the right things. You can get ahead. Any amens? So don't listen to the mumbo jumbo out there, man. Um, I could go off on that, but I'm not, okay? No, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Um, There's a lot I could say, but I won't. Okay. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I'm going to say. So if you've ever been to Anaheim Stadium on a Saturday day game or a Sunday afternoon game in the hot summer days, how many know it can get hot out there? Well, back then, I had been training in karate for so many years. And I got to the point when I was 22, 23, I was pretty good. I thought, okay. And I was looking to fight before I got saved. And I got in a few because I thought I was just an angry guy. Um, I'll leave that there, okay. But anyway, I'd go to the stadium and I would not wear flip-flops on a hot day. I'd wear tennis shoes. You know why? Even though flip-flops are popular. Because when I go to the stadium, I would scan the environment. Where's the problem guy going to be? Who's going to be loud? Who's going to be drunk? Who's going to be out of control? And I'm going to have to fight that guy. And I'm going to kick him with these shoes, okay? I did that every day. How many of you, be, be honest, we're on an honest Sunday. You go places and you're always scanning for the potential problem. Raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please, come on, raise them up, everybody. Look at how dysfunctional we are in this room. (laughs) That's a dysfunction, guys. Is there any peace in that? We say, well, it's wisdom, Jim. Oh, it is, to be on edge all the time. And I finally realized, I'm insane. I'm just insane for thinking like this. Because I'd be on edge wherever I went, it was wrong. So I had this, this... I was so used to growing up in conflict that I was always looking for conflict. Now, that's a free one. Let me get into this fear of conflict, okay? Some of you will not make any waves in your relationship. You will not go against what your spouse says or girlfriend, boyfriend says because you think something is going to go wrong. Am I right? Am I right? Okay, I got some questions. There is no spoon. It's only in your head. Okay. If things start to get a little dicey, a little hot in your dialogue with your spouse, they get hot. Those of you shut down, why don't you speak up? Tell me. Come on, somebody tell me. Raise your hand. You're not. What? I don't want to add fuel to the fire. Okay. What else? Raise your hand. Because after that, then what happens? What? 
Abuse might happen here. And then what else? Where's it going? Because remember, there's no spoon. This is only in your head. Then what's going to happen? What? What? You're going to say things you don't mean. Now, let's take it all the way out. In your worst case scenario, if I go with this thing and don't shut down, in the worst case scenario, what's going to happen to the marriage? What? Oh, it's going to fall apart. How crazy is that thinking, guys? How crazy? Tell me, how crazy is it that in your head, if you dialogue with your spouse and disagree on something, that you follow this whole thing out and this marriage is going to end? How crazy is that? So therefore, if you think that way, you're going to stay right here in square one. I'm not going to bring anything up. I'm going to lose my identity. I have a fear of conflict. I'm not going to talk about these things at all because I always wonder where do I stand and this is the way I control the marriage and keep it intact by just shutting down, shutting up, and not making waves. Anybody? Raise your hand. I want to know if I was the only one. Okay, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Be proud. Be proud of the issues in your life. Okay. There is no spoon. It's all in your head, right? It's all in your head. And if somebody wants to leave you, punt them on the way out. If they don't let you talk, and some of you in this room watching at home, you already know that you can create your little stir and storm out. They're going to go, no, don't leave, don't leave. Because you know your spouse has abandonment and rejection issues, and you picked up on that, and you play it, don't you? Don't you? Those of you that shut down and you're afraid they're going to leave me, next time they storm out, say, hey, see you later. Don't let the door hit you where the dog should have bit you. Say something like that, okay? Because then they're going to know that you're not going to fall for the game anymore, right? And when they come back, don't even ask them, well, where you been? Just say, I hope you had fun. Because I was using your credit card. No, don't do that, okay? (laughs) Don't do that. Okay. Here's what helped me. Here's what helped me. A guy who grew up in conflict hated conflict. Here's how it helped. I had to tell myself, I had to change the words. It's a dialogue. It's not a conflict. It's a dialogue. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. And if I disagree with you, that's okay, right? But it's a dialogue. And I can share what I think. You can share what you think. And if we disagree, I'm fine. I can even go out to lunch with you afterwards, not feel any animosity towards you. Unlike the world out there that gets in your face and says, you better believe like us, right? That's, that's dysfunction. That's insanity. That's crazy. Don't even buy into that. It's a dialogue. For those of you that have a fear of conflict, it's a dialogue. There is no spoon. It's only in your head, man. It's only in your head. Now, let's move on. Here's the next one. I'm in trouble. Now, let's be honest. How many of you, Adam and Adam, remember God comes in the garden and Adam hides because Adam feels like I'm in I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble with God. I'm in trouble. Now, <clears throat> how many of you honestly, you feel this on and off feeling that I'm in trouble? Some of you always feel like you're in trouble. Raise your hand. Come on. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Raise it up. Be proud. Come on. Be. There's more of you. you cowards. Now, <clears throat> I'm just trying to help out. I'm in trouble with you. I'm in trouble. Now, this really happened. So, um, Everything else I just make up. No, no, I'm just joking. So it's in the 90s. And um, anybody remember the 90s? Okay. Barely, all right. So my wife, she sees back when you read the advertisements that came in the newspaper, she sees that Best Buy there on Van Buren, I have a camcorder for, it's on sale. She wants to get it. Okay, let's go. So we load up in the vehicle that I told myself I would never drive in the history of my life. Uh, 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 Chevy Astro van. <laughs> Burgundy. Because now I have kids and it makes more sense. When I met Olivia, I had a Dodge van carpeting and paneling with a massive stereo system, a 63 Corvette, and a motorcycle. And now I'm driving a Dodge van. <laughs> That's the way it works, guys. So we go to Best Buy. We go up there, the gentleman helps her, he goes, what are you looking for? I'm looking for this, and she said, and the guy says, oh, that one's not on sale. 
And I remember my wife goes, she goes, okay, thank you. And we leave the store. We get in the Dodge van. We're in the parking lot. They're in Van Buren, that Best Buy parking lot. We're driving, and she's like, and while we're in the parking lot, I go, what's the matter? And she goes, and she blurted this out, and she said, I just messed up. I I go, so? What's the big deal about that? She goes, and she said this. She says, you're just going to get tired of me. I go, what? (laughs) You're just going to get tired of me. What was she saying? I'm going to be in trouble with you. I'm going to mess up enough and you're not going to want me. She was really saying, where do I stand with you? Be honest. How many of you in marriage sometimes, you, you feel like you're in trouble at times? If I was to come up to you right now and say, and I'm going to show you this, and say to you, hey, right after service, I want to talk to you in my office. What would you do? What would you think? Oh, no. (laughs) The mean ogre pastor's going to get me. You're probably thinking, he could see right through me. He knows the sin I committed four years ago. (laughs) I can't see anything, okay? This is why when I, because you're going to feel like you're in trouble. Am I right? This is a normal feeling in humans. It's a normal dysfunction that you don't need to walk in. Now, that's why when I talk to Bill, I go, if I want to talk to you, I say, hey, can I talk to you? later on and it's all good there's nothing wrong okay because otherwise if I don't tell you that part you're gonna go oh I'm melting what a world what a world you know you're gonna melt you know am am I right or what so I'm in trouble no one's in trouble no one's you're a grown-up okay say it there is no spoon it's all in your head it's all in your head guys you're not in trouble You're not in trouble anywhere, okay? Now, the next one is one of my favorites, the daily test. Oh, the daily test. Okay, children, you shouldn't be in your day. Cover your ears. Cover your kids' ears if you've got kids in here. I have counseled this one multiple times. Are you ready? So husband uh, wants to have sex tonight, and he puts on brute or high karate. Sticks his stomach in when he walks out with no shirt on. And he starts pawing at his wife. Hey, baby. And then she looks at him and says, I'm just too tired tonight. Not tonight. And I've counseled this. And he rolls over and pouts. Why? Oh, he's all, it's either all the way this way or all the way that way. Either you all the way love me, and because you didn't want to have sex with me tonight, now you just don't love me. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You're scared to say, yeah, huh? <laughs> You're either all the way in or all the way out. What happened? That husband, somebody's cracking up at that one. It's great. <laughs> I'm cracking up inside myself. So. But that husband is now just given the wife the daily test in that form. And she failed the test, right? For him, that was all the way in or all the way out. If you say yes, then you love me. If you say no, then you don't. You didn't pass the test. Am I, are you following me? The way I used to do this, I remember in junior high, when I had junior high school, yeah, just junior high too, back, that was ninth grade, so going way back. But anyway, if I had a girlfriend and she was talking to some other guy, remember I told you I was a powder? Remember a couple weeks ago? Not that I put powder on my face, but I'm a pout. I pout. I used to pout. You got that? Okay. I used to pout. And you know, so if she was talking to somebody else, I would get upset and I would just like good old pouty. So she could come because now I'm testing her to see if she loves me and not that guy. And I'm pouting because the proof and now the test that she might pass is she's got to ask me the question what's the. Oh, you're interested in me. And that was a test I played. I didn't know I was playing that test, but that was a daily test. Following me? Okay, so let me give you this one. So um, I was talking to someone here in church, a friend of mine, and they're telling me a situation because we've dialogued off and on about ACAs and these issues and well, they're all common. And, and she told me recently after we've been in the series here, she said that... Uh, 
they're going out for their anniversary. She got the way I would say, all dolled up. Hair and the makeup and nice dress or whatever. She wore these shoes. And she comes out and she's all happy. And she says to her husband, she goes, do, do, I, do these shoes look good or do they make me look stupid? Now there's a loaded question right there. <laughs> okay. Don't ask questions like that. But when she asks that question, she's asking her husband, and when she asks him, he's walking by and he goes, oh, they look fine. And he keeps on walking. Some of you shook your head like that, like you're, you're mad right now, aren't you? And then she gets disappointed, really disappointed. Why? She gave him a test, didn't she? That was a test, right? And for her, was it all or nothing? You better believe it. There's no middle ground in dysfunction. It's all or nothing. There's no middle ground in where do I stand with you. It's all or nothing. She says, so we get in the car. And we had to get the three kids in there, drop them off at the babysitter, do all this stuff. She, gets in the, she goes, I didn't say two words to him. You know, because we're going to punish them after that, right? Because that's what we're going to do, huh? They talk to you, you go, nothing. Because <laughs> that's punishment, right? And, you know. Now we're having a good time on anniversary. But then they dialogue later. They drop the kids off and said, okay, let's figure out what happened. We've got to figure out what happened. Well, they had to get the three kids to the babysitter. And he's the type, he loves his wife, but he's the type that hates to be late. Anybody like that? And when you're going to be late, you get a little stressed, don't you? Yeah, because you think some, you're going to be in trouble or something. I don't know. And so... When she asked him, he was stressed out. I got to get the kids to the car. We got to get them there. So when she asked him, that's going through his mind. And she said, how about these shoes? This and he goes, oh, they're fine. And he walks on. And she interprets it as, you just disappointed me. You don't love me. You don't she goes from all the way in to all the way out, right? He failed the test, did he not? But once you find out why and you dialogue, then you find out, oh, he does love me. He doesn't like the way he looked. He was just so stressed. I got to get the kids going. I don't like being late. And that's all it was. But unless we dialogue, every time we throw a test out there, we're going to think they don't love me, they don't miss, they don't do that. Am I right? Then we go to where do I stand with you? Where do I stand with you? Where do I stand with you? And then you put all these little anchors, bad ones, in your marriage, and little by little, it starts to fall apart. Am I right? Okay, now, let's get on. I got to move fast, okay. Oh, gosh, i got so much to say. The fifth one? Am I in the fifth one? Okay. Relationships repeat rigid patterns. This is the my, it's on my terms kind of thing. Okay. <clears throat> Watch the repeat relationship with rigid patterns. Adam and Eve sin, what do they sew together? Fig leaves. Okay, now we're hiding from each other fig leaves. Here comes God. What do they jump into? More leaves. So, in this relationship, they're with leaves. We're going all about leaves. Next relationship, what do they do? They repeat the pattern, and they have more leaves. Are you following me? Are you following me? So now you see in relationships, in a fallen world, you start to repeat patterns, very rigid patterns. I can't stay long in this, because point six is going to be the big one for me today. <clears throat> but let me throw some stuff out to you. <clears throat> When you get very rigid in the relationship, start repeating patterns, you make life hard. Because it's your way. It's your terms. You have all the rules, and that spouse has to jump through every one of those hoops. Am I right? Or else you're just not happy. Because you've got to have control. If they don't follow those rules, you feel very insecure. Secondly in that one, spontaneity suffers. Pattern, repeat pattern. Pattern, repeat pattern. It's just the same thing all the time. All relationships need some regularity like that, but it also needs some spontaneity where things are mixed up and changed. Am I right? But this becomes very pattern, rigid, repeat. Pattern, rigid, repeat. Pattern, rigid, repeat. Let's talk about rigidness and insecurity. Be honest. Be honest. How, how many in this room? It is very difficult for you 
to loosen up, have fun, laugh loud, be loud, goof off when people are watching you. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Raise them up high. Come on. Be proud. Come on. I have a five-year-old raise a hand right there, man. Better help that young guy right now, man. <clears throat> That's called rigid. It's called rigid. Let me take it further in this rigid thing right here. <clears throat> when they don't do, when your spouse, they don't do what you want, and in your rigid nature, guess what we're going to have again? Another one of our famous dead serious conversations. Does anybody get tired of dead serious conversations? We got to talk about this again. We just talked about it 50 minutes ago. Yeah, but we're going to talk about it again. <laughs> but in, if you have regular dead serious conversations, look, y'all, y'all need conversations and sometimes they're serious every so often but if you have regular dead serious conversations and you're always made to be the bad person and you violated something they don't like or you did this and it's always and I'm talking about if you're in sin yeah that's a different ball game but I'm just talking about normal life because you didn't do what they wanted the way they wanted how they wanted you're not coming into their leaves and their trees you know etc etc then you know there's a problem there is there not it's like why would you want dead serious conversation after dead serious conversation it just gets really rigid and it begins to strangle the life out of the relationship that's a dysfunction it's called control by the way number six the sixth bullet point here's the one I want to get to <clears throat> dating re-education I could talk about marriage but you take this into marriage this one really bothers me I've counseled it I watch it I see it it bugs me I try to keep my nose out of it because if not my business but I'm thinking oh my gosh I'd like to tell them but I just try to stay out of it here's what I'm talking about think of control think of insecurity and think of fear I've ladies young gals unmarried gals be careful and this can happen the other way where the the girl could be the one playing the guy this way because you know I watch ID channel I know Be careful, single, single girls or single people. When that person you're dating, they start to turn you against your family, your friends, the church, the church. I have watched wives turn their husband against new beginnings and take them away. And they're all made up reasons. They're not even real. I've watched it happen. There's nothing I can do about it but it's in their head. It's in their shame issue. And I can't speak to it because they're going to say, well, you just tried to say this. I just leave it alone. But be careful. They're, that person you're dating, they're so insecure, they're trying to control you because they're afraid of losing you. Are you following me? So they will turn you against family, friends, the church, whatever. Like Adam, they're trying to pull you into their trees, into their fig leaves. They're trying to control you. <clears throat> now, I would ask you to do this in that relationship. If you, please do this. When you start seeing this happen, I would start to ask probing questions of that person you're dating. Ask them, tell me about how your mom and dad got along. Did they stay together? Was there alcohol in there? Was there drugs in there? Was there a lot of adultery in there? Was there any adultery? Were you abused as a kid? Because sexual abuse leads to a lot of control issues in life. It, and, and it's either or. It leads to control, become very uh, controlling, or you can become very promiscuous. There's no balance in abuse and sin. It's always extremes. I would ask all these questions. I want to find out where they're coming from. Why are they acting this way? And remember... If they tell you, well, that's when I was a little kid. It doesn't affect me today. How many know that's wrong, right? Because the past affects the present. It always does. Do not listen to that kind of a lie. Here's what they're doing. And here's why they told you to ask the question. When they pull you away, turn you against friends, family, church, what they're doing is they're re-educating you. You follow? They're pulling you away on purpose. Now, All dictators and all dictators in this world, they all will go move towards re-education. It's a constant process. They, all dictators do it. 
Hitler had to vilify somebody in Germany to rally the people. Who did he vilify? The Jews. He vilified the Jews and therefore he got the German people to turn against the Jews. All dictators do that. Watch out when a person you're dating vilifies your family, friends, or church. Be careful. The Pharisees vilified Jesus, did they not? They made up all kinds of lies about him. Oh, they lied at the trial, up and down, left and right. They just lied and lied and lied. Why? It's all about power and control. It's all it's about. And that's why they lie. Because they want power and control. The Pharisees even admitted, if we don't do something about this, he's going to come and take away our place and our nation. Power and control. That's all it's about. And if you don't open your eyes to these things that happens around you constantly, you're going to be the worst for wear. Because it's always going on. Now, this person you're dating, they might be starting to re-educate you because of their insecurity and fear. They want to pull you into their trees. Here's the problem, though. You marry them. Does it get better? It gets worse. You thought they were controlling before, they get more controlling. You don't follow their rules? Oh, man. You're in the shower, they're going to check your phone. Who are you talking to? You're 15 minutes late, they're going to get all over you. Where were you? Who are you talking to? You mentioned somebody's name at work of the opposite sex. Who's that? Know in that moment, you are married to a 12-year-old, okay? Who's got a lot of emotional baggage in their life and they've never dealt with it. And that's a fact. And here's the scary part. Now you're in it. But one day, one day you wake up in bed, 10 years into this marriage, you go, and you finally realize that they have re-educated you and turned you against everybody, pulled you away from everything, and you're living in a prison, their prison of control and fear. And you wasted 10 years of your life or something like that. They're just re-educating you. Very rigid, very controlling. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> Let me sidebar. Can I sidebar? This re-education thing is crazy. It's everywhere. Especially here now. So I go to the dentist this last week. Oral surgeon. Had oral surgery. And so far, so good. No dizziness. No headaches anymore. I've been struggling with that for over a year. They, they couldn't save it. They had to take it out. I said, just put me to sleep. She said, put me to sleep. And I, but before I went to sleep... I was talking to the dentist, this oral surgeon, and uh, I said, you know, my, my family wanted me to be a dentist because all my relatives in Mexico are all dentists and there's one doctor. He goes, oh, yeah. I go, yeah, but I didn't become one. Oh, why not? <laughs> and I became a pastor. He goes, oh, I'm a believer too. Then he starts calling me pastor after that. I felt like I had authority. And we're talking, and then he just starts, man. He goes, I'm really scared of what's going on right now. This really makes what's going on in this country now he's an immigrant he's from Southeast Asia he had his accent and he starts telling me all this stuff which I already knew because I always ask immigrants these questions because they have a better perspective than natives here he said my father-in-law came from North Korea all they do is re-educate there and he brings it up I didn't bring up anything and I'm thinking I'm talking about this on Sunday he goes and then he names all the China which we all know China's re-educating people He's talking about all these other Southeast Asian countries, and there's other countries on the other side of the world. They're re-educating. And he goes, and they're doing it here. And then he says this, he goes, he goes, it doesn't work. And then he adds, and these people that come from other countries, they're fleeing from these other countries because they don't want to be there because of the way it is. They come here, and then they want to try to change this, this great country into what they came from when they didn't want to be there in that other country in the first place. It was so bad. Any amens on that? Every time I talk to an immigrant, they will tell you the same thing. Every time. And every time I run into one, I catch an accent, I'll always ask questions. They will tell you every time, this is a great country. Don't change it. Don't change it. Because what they came from, is, they say, they'll always tell me, is what they're trying to do here now. They're trying to change this country. 
I remember the, the one young man from um, Yugoslavia a year ago backpacking when he told me, don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. They're just re-educating. They're re-educating all over the place. They're trying to change your thinking and trying to control. And that's all they're doing. Now, sidebar over. Let's get back to this. Okay, what's, um, what's the answer to all this? All this insecurity, all this where do I stand with you, all this control, everything. How do I get out, how do I start getting out of this? And it's just, I'm just going to give you a starting point. Okay, so Jesus, in Matthew 3.17, he, um, he goes to his baptism in the Jordan River. And when he's there in the water, it says the heavens opened because he's God in the flesh and the Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove. So now you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit, and a voice from heaven from the Father. Now you have the God the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. And the voice from heaven says this about Jesus. He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's important. Because you jump into chapter 4 a few verses later in the desert temptation here comes the devil and he tempts Jesus and Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days he's fasting because this is the big battle right now the first of his big battles to save humanity and the devil says to him if you are the son of God turn these stones into bread come on eat up you don't need to do this but notice what he said if you are the son of God he's questioning Jesus identity right but in chapter 3, what did God the Father say about Jesus? This is my beloved son. See, when you know who you are, when you know who you are, it can't re-educate you. Am I right? Because you know who you are. It's a matter of identity. Satan's trying to re-educate. If you are the son of God, are you really? Are you really not? See, he's trying to get in his head. Now, speaking of in his head, a few temptations later, Satan tells Jesus, in that desert, he says, it says, he took Jesus to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, a theology professor told me at Vanguard University, when I was in school there, late 80s, he said, this is the temptation in the mind. If you think about it, there's no high mountain high enough where you can see all the kingdoms of the world. It's a temptation in the mind. There is no spoon. It's in the head. Temptation in the mind. And he tells Jesus, all you have to do is fall down and worship me and I'll give you all these things. Just fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, it is written. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan attacks identity and Jesus says, no, I know who I am. I am the son of God. Then he tries to get into your head played the head game with Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and what did Jesus say to him it is written it is written I really don't know how anyone can be a Christian and not read the Bible I don't get it you will lose every day somewhere because your mind has to be washed clean consistently constantly all the time so Jim I don't understand it then by a simpler translation stay in the New Testament stay there only and try getting to church more often. And you have to have your mind washed clean. Because remember, it's all in your head. So I came to the realization years ago. It's all in my head. They're not thinking that about me. It's me thinking this about me. That's the fallen nature. That's shame. That's fear. That's control. And once you start changing all that, and once you start walking in who you are, your whole world's going to change. You'll be so confident. You'll be so different. Man, you'll be that new creature in Christ that Paul talks about. And everything. And the way you relate to, to others. And by the way, you'll start picking the right people in your life instead of the same broken record every time. Because now you'll be able to see clearly. Isn't that something anybody wants here? Yeah. Because you'll be different. And you'll be changed. I can't make you read the Bible, but I can stress, please read the Bible. Please do these things. Amen. Let's pray. I'm done for today. Lord.
all these issues, they're, they're so common. They're so real in people's lives. And you have the answer. And you've always had the answer. But it takes work, it takes process to recognize and uncork and undo and walk in the new thinking. But it's just in our heads. It's all in our head. It's nowhere else. It's how we view ourselves in this fallen nature. God, today, I pray for freedom, the beginnings of it, that we're no longer going to operate in all ways. Whatever really hits you hard today, please examine it. Start dealing with it. Start recognizing it. Start changing it in the power of God. Because God has a new life for you. Now, if you're not a Christian, then do all you want. You don't have the power to change things, nor the mindset to change things to the truth. God's word is true. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk in this new life, to walk in a relationship with God. As God came looking for Adam, God's coming looking for you. Where are you? He wants you. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood to save you. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to be saved, to become a follower of Christ. Whether you're here in this room or at home, I'm going to say a prayer. Everybody in this room, repeat it out loud after me. If you want to put your faith in Christ or rededicate your life, you say it, you believe it, and you begin walking with God. Here we go. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me and shed your blood to forgive me to give me a new life, to make me a new creation, to undo the past, get rid of the baggage, and walk in new thinking through the power of God. Come into my life. Today I follow you with my whole heart for the rest of my days. Thank you for saving me. Let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who said that prayer first time or rededicated. Just walk with Jesus. Get a Bible. You can go to the Connect Center in the lobby and get one. Read the New Testament. Stay in there and get to church. Get around Christians. They'll guide you. Go on NBCC website and you'll see next steps, nbcc.com. Do it. You can't make it on your own. Being a Christian by yourself is not New Testament or Old Testament ways of following God. You need to be other, around other Christians in the flesh, baby. Thank you for this day, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen and Amen. Would you stand up with me, everybody? If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.